Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. See, people don't understand that giving is a principle. You, you can't outgive God. So just bring yourself to the scripture today. If God looked at your checkbook this morning, would he go, whoa? You see, the checkbook is a picture of your heart. Do you trust God or you don't trust God? What is your heart towards giving today? Scripture states that God loves not just a giver, but a cheerful giver. Today, Pastor Mark will encourage listeners to give to the Lord and have the right motive behind it. God promises to reward those who give back to Him. No matter how much you decide to give in your lifetime, it will never be more than what He gave you. And serving the Lord through giving is not just to benefit Him, but it's also meant to bless you. Are you scared to lose control of your life, specifically your finances today? Entrust them to God and He will bless you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark as he continues his message entitled, The Threat to the Church from the Inside. This verse, the Pharisees knew, but they didn't live. They're counting the little seeds, and they've missed the overall principle. They've just missed it. Jesus took 613 laws in the Old Testament, and he summarized them into two. Do you remember? Let's see if we can practice them. Ready? Ready? We're to one, love God, and number two, we're to what? Love others. Well, if you look at that verse... Do what is right. Others. Love mercy. Others. And walk humbly with our God. You see, it fits. It's not complicated. It's right there. It's clear for us. So into this passage, you say, well, Pastor Mark, what does that have to do with me today? I don't have a mint garden. I don't have cumin. If I do, I go to the Indian restaurant and enjoy it. What in the world are you talking about? Here's what I want to talk about. The misunderstanding of the Pharisees was this. They missed the overall balance of the teaching of all the Word of God. How can that infect us today wrongly? Here's how. When you judge, and I don't mean this in a harsh way, but when you judge teaching or television programs or preachers, or books that you read. Here's what I find unbalanced quite often today. Many of our books are simply about prosperity. And they'll all be about how the Christian should be rich. And if you're not rich, 
Here's something I heard, and I couldn't believe I heard it, because it's a very, very popular program. Here's what I heard from one teacher. Here's what he said. God wants us all to be rich, because if you're not rich, you can't help anybody. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. That sounds good, doesn't it? Is it biblical? Not even close. I.e., the minute he said that, you know what popped into my mind? Acts chapter 3. Peter and John at the gate of the temple. The poor beggar comes up to him and he says, Hey, what kind of money you got for me? Peter goes, Ah, silver and gold have I none? I guess I can't help you. No, what did he say? Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, and the man was healed. Understand that we've taken the gospel and we decided this is what it is. No, it's all of this. Be careful as you're listening that you don't go down these little rabbit trails of people focusing on prosperity. The second thing you'll hear them focus on so much is how a good person you can be. And the whole key for you is to find a parking place for the day. What's up with that? Actually, Americans shouldn't pray for a close parking place. Am I right? Because we don't do what? We don't ever exercise. So it's probably not the will of God that you have a close parking place. And those of you that are back in the back 40 over here today, you can say what? Amen. And so don't gripe as you go over there. I'm right back over here in the lot in Sodom, Gomorrah parking lot back over here. You, you just go over there and go, praise God, I'm getting healthy for Jesus. Amen? All right. <laughs> now, turn with me in your Bibles. Keep your finger right there. in Matthew, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here's how you judge teaching. Here's the pattern for us not to get waylaid with majoring in minors. You know, I was raised with a Pentecostal background. You have to be very careful, the Pentecostal background, that every week you're not talking on Acts 1-8 or being filled with the Spirit or speaking in tongues. You can just be unbalanced in all of that. And so we have to be very careful. So Paul actually tells us how to do it. 2 Timothy, Vera, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Look at what it says. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice, first of all, all Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. The Bible is... God breathed. So it's correct. It's inerrant. God can't lie, we learned last week. So when I open this book, this book is a guideline. It is the roadmap for life in every aspect of my life. So when I'm listening to teaching over a period of time, not in a one-week series, but over in a period of time, if you're attending a church or you're reading books or whatever, over a period of time, you should always see these four things being mentioned in the scripture as you go through the scripture. What are the four things? Well, understand this. First thing you want to write today is every part of the Bible is powerful 
relevant and useful. Every part. So that's why today we're doing a Bible study. It's studying the Word of God. Because this tells me how to live on this world, in this world, and how to get to heaven, and how to be useful to my neighbors and friends and loved ones who need God's mercy and His grace. Well, notice, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for, number one, teaching. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm teaching. Teaching is simply what is right. Well, what, what did Micah 6, 8 say? Do the right thing. So we're learning what is right today. And you'll see this as we go through. Great principles. Number two, rebuking or reproof. In other words, stop doing that. Some people would say, well, if you use those terms, stop doing that. Or if you use the term sin, people won't come to church. Well, come on. We all need that. When you go to the doctor and there's an area of your life that needs to be adjusted, he's going to give you a little reproof. He's going to say what? Stop doing that. Now, the problem is, if your physician says to you, stop smoking, and then he says, excuse me, five minutes he comes back, comes in the room and you go, Whew. where were you? Oh, I had to have my little cigarette. But where were we? Now stop smoking. We laugh at that. That's exactly what was happening with the Jewish people. The leaders were saying, don't do this. And they were doing it. Think about a parent today that says to their children, don't do this. And you're doing it. So there needs to be reproof. There needs to be, as Second Timothy says, rebuking. If you go to a church and you never hear any correction or rebuking, something's wrong. It's unbalanced teaching. Number three, correcting. Not only do we want to do what is right, not only do we want to hear stop doing that, but correction is start doing this. Wouldn't it be great to go to a church and all you hear is, don't do that, 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 don't do that. And you say, well, what should I do? I don't know. Just stop doing what you're doing wrong. I have no idea how to do what's right. Well, you leave frustrated. So the Bible says, stop doing this, but start doing this. That's the positive of it. And last, instruction. How to stay right. Training in righteousness. We're all training. You see, training in righteousness is not a one-week deal. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. And so as we go through the scripture, we get this balance. Let me make a statement to you. You see, when I'm down, when I'm depressed, when things hit the the wall in my life, and they hit the wall in my life just like they hit the wall in your life, I need to know what to do. I need somebody speaking hope into my life. Well, first, God's Word is going to speak hope into my life. But I need not only my wife, which is my best friend, but I need a couple guys that are going to encourage me, come alongside me, help me. Ladies, you need a couple ladies in your life that can speak truth into your life, that can say, hey, stop doing that. Come on, let me show you how I can help you with this. Or just give you a word of encouragement. What I discover in the the way the enemy works is the enemy takes people who get depressed and hopeless 
And the first thing we do is we remove ourselves from the very people that can help us. We begin to isolate ourselves. We stop coming to church. We kind of move away from these people that were very good friends to us. And pretty soon we're over here pitying ourselves and going down this spiral that just is almost unending. Let me encourage you this morning. Get yourself involved with a person, small group, a man, a couple men for you guys, a couple ladies, and allow these people to speak into your life. Now, go right back to Matthew chapter 23. You were just there. Vieira, Matthew 23, verse 23. I want us to read this verse again very quickly. Watch this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now watch this sentence. You should have practiced the latter. What does that mean? I should be practicing justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But notice the sentence doesn't end there, period. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting what? What's the former? Tithing. Let's see if you can say it without having a nervous breakdown. Tithing. You see, tithing, write this statement down. Many people argue. They want to make this big deal. Well, tithing is Old Testament. It was in the law. It wasn't having anything to do. No, tithing came before the law. And here Jesus makes a very bold statement. Jesus simply says, if you're a Christ follower, you should tithe. And you should always tithe with the right motive. Jesus didn't say to these guys, quit tithing. Just do the right thing. No, the right thing was to tithe and show mercy and righteousness and judgment. Understand this verse. In this room, there are really three groups of people. In Vieira, three groups of people. If you're a Christian, here's what happens. We have a group of people that give 10% off the top. And what happens is you use that and you kind of give it in a legalistic way. As you know, I don't know who gives and who doesn't. That's not my role. That's between you and God. Let's say you make $489.23 a week. Well, you get your checkbook out. 48, 93, and carry the four, four decimal points right out to the end. And you show your kid, look at this. $42.22223. Praise God. And you're proud. I paid the tithe. No, that's like you. One little cumin seed, two little cumin seed, one for God, two for me. See, you're doing it, but, but you missed the motive. Hey, how about splurging? Instead of 42.89.222, hey, take a big, bold step of faith. $43. You see, you missed it. Now, here's what happens with those people. Many of you that do tithe, that's it. You're just like the Pharisees. You don't show mercy. You don't walk humbly with God. That's your righteousness. You give to God and case closed. Well, that's not right. Well, on the other side of that are people just exactly the opposite of Pharisees. Pastor Mark, I don't give. God doesn't require me to give. 
But I do lots of good things with my time. My money is my own, but my time, man, I'm here every day working. I cut the lawn out there. I work with the angel food ministry. You watch the boxes I'm going to do here. But tithing, not a chance. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. You see, tithing isn't for God. Tithing's for me. It teaches me how to trust God. Until you learn it, you'll never, ever, ever understand the blessings that tithing bring. Well, look at verse Luke 6.38 quickly. Give and you will receive. By the way, here's where another unbalance comes. You hear all these prosperity guys say this. Give to God and you'll have a hundredfold back to you. No, you don't give to God to get. You give to God because God's good. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured in your lap. The amount you give. So many people misunderstood this. I'm so glad my dad taught me this. I'm so glad my wife's parents taught her this. I'm so glad my wife and I taught our children this. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. See, people don't understand that giving is a principle. You, you can't outgive God. So just bring yourself to the scripture today. If God looked at your checkbook this morning, would he go, whoa? You see, the checkbook is a picture of your heart. Do you trust God or you don't trust God? Now, for those of you that are new, we don't hype on money, but whenever it comes out in the Scripture, I flat teach on it. Because if you miss that, you miss the greatest thing in all of life. I understand tithing. I practice it way more than tithing. Why? Because I know how good God is to me. Now, remember we said Jesus is giving woes. I'm giving you no woes. Say it with me, no woes. No woes. So here's number five, no woe. What can I learn from what Jesus just taught with that one? Here it is. Teach, parents, small group leader, pastors, elders, teach, obey all the word of God. Make sure you're not majoring in some minor kind of deal. Obey all the word of God and then live with the emphasis of God. Love God and love people. As I do that, God will be pleased with my life. We'll look at Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of, woe, greed, and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. See, in the, in the Jewish faith, ceremonial washings, being clean was a big deal, part of the Jewish law. Uncleanness was not really a physical thing, although it had a relationship to that, but it was really related to a spiritual aspect, the person's heart. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, in Jewish times, if a person, a Jew, touched a dead body, they became unclean. If a Jew came in contact with one of you, a Gentile, they became unclean. In the Old Testament times, ladies in Vier and here, 
When you went through your monthly menstrual cycle, you were unclean. Guys, if you had a boil that came out and it was an exposed sore, you were unclean. Well, you say, Pastor Mark, that's cool, so, so I'm unclean. What's the big deal? Well, it was huge. Listen, if a person was ceremonial unclean, that meant that he or she could not enter the temple or the synagogue, and thus they could not worship. You see, you just couldn't come in like this and, hey, I'm here to worship God no matter what we look like. or whatever. No, you couldn't do that. You couldn't meet with God individually. You had to go to a temple. You had to go to a priest. You had to have sacrifices. And if you were unclean, you couldn't go. So Jesus emphasizes the inside. Well, this is what Jesus says. The inside of the cup didn't represent something physical. It represented something spiritual. The heart, the control center of man, the real you today. You see, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we see this, Jesus was saying to the leadership, Hey, you look great publicly, but privately, your world is corrupt. See, these guys were in their religious garbs, and the people looked at them and went, Wow. And Jesus says, I go past the clothing. I went to the heart, and I found greed in a leader. The New Testament says, an elder, a pastor can't be a greedy person. He said, I found greed. And he said, the other sin I see is self-indulgence. You don't care about the people. You just want to promote yourself. See, we are first to be cleansed through repentance and then faith from the inside, which is only a work that God can do. I can't clean my heart. And as I am then clean, as John 15 says through the word, then my behavior will become acceptable. The outside will match the real me. David would say this in Psalms 51.6. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. So what is the no woe about this one? It's very clear. Here's what it is. Emphasize the heart. Your heart. Be clean from the inside out, and it will show. Be clean from the inside out, and it will show. You know what I heard this week? I couldn't believe it. Here's what the individual said. If you'll dress for success on the outside, it will, this is a Christian program, it will change your inside. I think not. The Bible says, start where? On the inside, it'll show on the outside. Every part of the Bible is powerful, relevant, and useful. Today, Pastor Mark challenged listeners to value every portion of Scripture as much as the other. In our world today, relativism is very popular. Many like to pick for themselves what each verse means to them and even remove the significance of others. Don't fall into this trap. Learn to love and be changed by every crucial piece of God's holy word. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Do you believe that God wants the absolute best for you? Something that often holds people back from surrendering to God is a fear that He will actually make their life better. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will implore listeners to rely on Christ's power for everything in life. Attempts to clean up past mistakes, repair relationships, or live wholly in the present will always lead to dissatisfaction under man's efforts. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Here